This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash happiest. There are so many amazing perks of being sober, and one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level, and it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before, but let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about OneSkin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. Hello, everyone. So I'm here with my very first returning guest, who is not my mom. <laughs> I'm here. Jay Chase is back. Hey, Jay. Hello. Hello. How hello. You doing? hello. Super, super excited to be back. Um, so good. happy to have you back. Good, good. Feeling good. Um, feeling like I just stepped into a, a new era. How, how are you feeling today? I'm good. And that is a perfect segue <laughs> for, for what we're talking. And I love the word era. I think you had absolutely no awareness of this as you said it, but that was a great Taylor Swift reference, stepping into a new era. So thank you for starting off on that note. For me, that was perfect. Um, so we're talking today about turning 30 because this episode is coming out, I think, two days, two days before I'm turning 30, which for us right now is next week. I think it's like eight days away. Um, And you just turned 30 June 4th. So you're fresh. I'm at the end of a decade. You're at the start of one. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I was like, yo, we got to do this whole Medici effect to two people colliding. What's what your 20s been like? What's your 30s been like? You know what I mean? What they're going to look like. So Mm -hmm. yeah, August 24th, guys, if if she never, she didn't say the date, but it's August 24th is my 30th birthday. It's it's August twenty fourth. Just so you guys know, <laughs> love because I, I think what the yeah that's after this episode comes out. So send her two days out. after. Thank yeah. you, thank yeah. you for that. 100%. Um, how did you feel when you turned thirty less than two months ago? No, over two months ago. It was over two months ago, but I think I'm just now adjusting. Like I think really? I'm, yeah, a hundred percent. It's like just now setting in. It was really bad because like. I had a son my last yes. year and my like when I was 29 and I and it was so funny like today as we we're recording this I went to go drop him off at my niece's house and uh and I went to go and I put my son down and I grabbed my back a little bit I said oh my back oh, and no. my niece goes quit playing you're not that old I said I'm 30 she said okay yeah you're getting up there I was like oh oh, oh so no. so I'm so like as as I turned 30, I was like, yo, I'm super excited. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling renewed. So I honestly feel like I'm in a new era, but then also like reality setting in of like, it's time to be about my business. Like it's time to do what I need to do and what I want to do. And so um, it's like, yo, this, this, this year we're, we're making 
life-changing decisions for the future for like things to come it's crazy it's 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 weird feeling but I definitely feel reborn refreshed and renewed I love that and I'm curious because you said you kind of just adjusted to like the fact that you're 30 and I feel like 30 is such a big age like mentally like I feel like turning 30 is a mind fuck because like I feel like there's so much I feel like there's so much associated with that age there's so many like kind of like life adulting milestones you think you're supposed to have reached like did you have a lot of weird feelings about turning 30 leading up to it oh absolutely like when when you think about it we get like put on like you should own property you should be doing mm-hmm. this you should be doing that and you think about like honestly when you hit 30 like when the climb to th- i think the top the climb to 30 is worse than actually turning 30 mm, okay right it's like I'm at the end of my climb. So that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and that's what it is. Cause like, once we get there, we're like, Oh, like, I still feel like me. Like I'm still yeah. a kid. Like I still feel young, but the climb up was like, Oh shit, I'm turning 30. I need to do this. Other people are doing that. And then I started looking at other 30 year olds and I was like, <laughs> you're like, I'm yeah. actually doing better than most people. I know. <laughs> I, Oh, like so, like some people, you can see that they've been drinking for the past ten years, right? And I'm like, okay, at least I don't have to like grab grab control of that part of my life in my thirties. At least I don't have to so do that. Like, true, you no, know, like, and I'm like, at least that's a monster that I don't got to battle now. Now I, I did the hard work up front, and now I can like reap the benefits in my thirties of being about my business, being clear headed, getting the hard part done. Right. So I, I get I, I sacrificed a lot in my 20s. And so did you. How to like mm-hmm. what what is what is that climb looking like for you? Yeah. And just and I'm gonna answer, but to come back to like remind everybody how old you were. I mean, first of all, anyone's list who's listening, if you didn't listen to Jay's initial episode, go back and listen to it. But remind me how old you were when you got sober. 23. 23 a baby (laughs) so like yeah that's such a good point jay like you're starting off your 30s with seven freaking years i mean like six but like going on seven years of sobriety under your belt and like that puts you ahead because a lot of people i mean i think a lot more people in this day and age are getting sober than like years ago it's becoming a lot more kind of I don't know, mainstream almost to get sober and like to kind of just like not to get sober without identifying as necessarily someone who struggles with addiction. Like a lot of people are choosing it as more of a lifestyle choice. Um, So it's kind of cool to think that like, yeah, probably a lot of people we know are going to get sober in their thirties and like you're that much more ahead because of how, yeah, like most of your twenties were spent sober. I can't say the same. I, I got sober at 27. But that's still, that's still like one. And I I don't care what anybody says. I think your prime twenties is literally the back end of your, your twenties, like your prime of your twenties is the back end of your twenties. Cause like you're making so many mistakes in the beginning, then you're trying to fix those mistakes and get it together and figure out a future when you really still don't know how how to make decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. And then on the back end of your twenties, you're like this. I got it. It's okay to recreate myself. And then you start to step into this molding of your future. So like, even with you, you have to start making, I feel like even with you getting sober at 27, you have to start making future decisions for who you were at 27 and cut off friends that you made when you were 21. And that's hard to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard at any age for sure, but that's like, that's pretty cool that you made all your mistakes in your very early 20s and then you got sober and like I don't know how do you feel looking back on like your 20s in in their entirety as a decade um (laughs) (laughs) a real messy lesson yeah It, it was like it was a really messy lesson but it made me so much better on me like I, I've learned so much and it's shaping me for my 30s like now I have a foundation of trial and error of what works for me and what doesn't work for me yeah and where I want to go with my life and where I don't want to go with my life and so now I get to choose based off let's say social experiments right um 
off social experiments that I've done in my 20s. So yeah, it's it, that that decade was a messy lesson for me. What about Yeah, I agree. I would I want to use the word and maybe this isn't true, but like part of me just wants to use the word shit show. <laughs> to look back on my 20s. I don't know. And that's they they really weren't a total shit show. They really weren't. I definitely had my shit show moments. I I think for sure an experience that stands out to me about my 20s is I lived in Australia for a year in my 20s. And that was extreme highs and lows because that's where I did a lot of my heavy drinking was while I was there. It was obviously a really cool experience, but it was also simultaneously a really messy one. Um, yeah, I think twenties are a weird, weird, weird time. I, and I think that it's so funny remembering, and I've said this before, especially like in episodes with my mom, but when I got sober at 27, I remember really being like, I still have some of my twenties left and I'm getting sober and like twenties, you yes. equate twenties to your party years. That's what yes. it's like. You're a 20 something, you're partying, you're making your mistakes. You're like, how, how did you at 23, was that something you really grieved of like, fuck, I'm 23. I still, so I'm swearing a lot in this episode already. I'm 23. I still have seven years of my twenties left. Like, was that a, a tough one for you to swallow? At the beginning, yes. Yeah. At the beginning, absolutely. And then when I started cha- like changing where I was putting that energy, that's when I started to like blossom and bloom and like, oh, I'm only in my 20s. Yeah. It's one of those things where like you can get sober in your 20s and be like, oh my God, I'm in my 20s and I'm sober and I have my whole life ahead of me. And then other people who get sober at like 50 or 60 will be like, I wish I started as young as you. You're so lucky that you started as young as you did. So it totally is just about your perspective on it. Yeah. And a lot of people have FOMO or mm-hmm. fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. I I like to say I got, I got fong. I got fear of not growing. In my oh, that's a new right? one. Did you coin that? I did. I, I, mean, I think I might. I might have okay, to. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. But I, I was working with a client and they were talking about like FOMO and like growing at the same time. And I was like, you can't have FOMO and grow like you can't. And where mm, you, that's good. And like you got to know where you want to go. And so I would rather have like I'd rather have a fear of not growing. I'd rather have FOMO than FOMO. <laughs> And so I started making decisions that were aligned with my growth. And so it's kind of like one of those pills that you have to swallow. Like, is it, is it FOMO or am I going to benefit from doing this for myself? You know? Oh, I love that. And you know what? Like I used to, in my drinking days, it, and I, I just talked about this um, with some sober people like a week ago, but in my drinking days, it genuinely panicked me to stay in on a Friday or a Saturday night. If I stayed in on a weekend night, I felt like I was a loser. I was like, I'm such a freaking loser. I can't believe I'm in tonight. I should be out partying. Uh, Everyone else is like probably out there partying, having fun and I'm doing nothing. Like even if I didn't really feel like going out, even if that's why I was staying in was because I was tired or whatever, I would have so much like guilt and just, I, I did. I felt like a complete loser and something that, is cool to see in sobriety because I do think like I very much when I got sober, I made a pretty conscious decision that it wasn't going to stop me from still being social and like going out and having fun and living my life. But I still had those feelings where if I wanted to stay in, it would stress me out. And somewhere along the way, I'm not sure when it happened. I was staying in on like a Friday night just because I wanted to. And I didn't feel that way anymore. And I was just like, wow, like this is new. Like I can really just let myself have balance in my social life. And when I was drinking, there was no room for balance in it. But now it's like I now I love going out one night of the weekend and staying in the other night of the weekend, like perfect balance. And no part of me on the night I stay in is like, oh, my God, I'm such a loser for this. I'm just like living my life, enjoying it, knowing I need downtime, like knowing that I don't need to be out doing things to make me like an okay, cool, fun person. No, that that's so good. And 
you don't have to hold yourself accountable to what other people think that you should be doing. Yeah. Like I, I, I had to deal with that as well. I'm a very social person, just like you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo, I, w- I want to be around people. I get recharged when I set that time apart to be with people. So I have to literally schedule that in and know that that's balanced. And that's what works for me. Like for me, when I, when I quit drinking, I actually got a job as a bartender. And after you that, quit drinking? Yeah. I, it, it allowed me to still be around people in a bar. Wait, I never, I don't think I knew this. But not a lot of people do. <laughs> well, don't we feel special? <laughs> yeah, I actually got a job as a bartender. No because way. I didn't know what to do on a Friday or Saturday night. And so uh, I was like, well, I, I need to hang out with people. It's who I am. And I was like, well, I can make the drinks and not drink them. And, you know, you can't drink at a bar when you're bartending. So if I was like, yo, give me, give me all the Friday and Saturday night shifts. Let's rock. Wow. How far along in your sobriety were you at this point? Early. How was that experience for you? This is fascinating. How was it for you being a bartender, serving drunk people surrounded by it? Like, was it something, did it give you any FOMO or was it helpful to see, to watch? I always find it helpful to watch the drunk people because I'm like, oh, I'm not, not. I'm not that mess anymore. Right. Thank God. But yeah, um, how was that for you? That's so interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's in my mind when I created Fong. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want to be that. I yes. don't like it was eye opening. Like, I was like, I don't I don't I don't want to do that. So uh, I was like, yo, I, I'll work to not go back to that. And then I started seeing the decisions that they were making, how they were interacting with people, the fights, the things that would I was like, ah, I'm cool on that. I'm, I'm cool on that. And I know how I get when I drink. So I was like, oh, no, give me all the Friday and Saturday and Sunday mornings. Give me all the all the, the high drinking hours. Like, give me because wow. I would rather make money and apply that to my future than feel like I'm missing out on making bad decisions and watching people. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Fong. I love it. <laughs> Fong. You heard it here first. That's so good. That's so good. Um. Wow. I can't believe I didn't know that you did that. I, I don't, I don't talk about it much. It was definitely cause it's not, it's, it, I feel like I don't talk about it much because it's not normal to be in the center of alcohol when starting to get sober. Right. And like I say, often I didn't have a choice. And so like, mm-hmm. I had to make, like, I had to make tough decisions. I was like, yo, what's this, this, this. And so I couldn't risk slip. I I always tell people be strategic when it comes to your growth and like moving forward, like be strategic. And so I was like, yo, if I'm making the drinks, I can't drink the drinks because now I'm responsible for the money. I'm responsible for like the alcohol content, the count. I want to give you credit where it's due. A lot of people would make the drinks and still drink them. Like that was still a choice. That was absolutely still a choice. Lots of bartenders drink on the job and it was readily available to you. That was still you making that choice. <laughs> well, and, and and I guess it was like in a restaurant bar, not necessarily full out bar. Okay. Okay. Right. Different vibe. I wasn't, I was in, in the nightclub. Like mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I mean, which I could still probably do. But like I was like, I, let's let's not be detrimental, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, like let's not be self destructive. I was like, let's be controlled. And so, it, like, they had live music on the weekends at the bar that I was at. I was actually a bartender at two different restaurants at the beginning of my sobriety, and it, I just and so I would go back to back just bartending in the day, bartending at night. And this was like the this was the early days. This is the early days. So it was like the first six. Uh, after the first six months, because I did six months in prison, I got out, I was on probation. And so like, if I did anything wrong, like they would, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going back to prison. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. let's walk a state, a straight and narrow. But so yes. I don't talk about it much, but you guys heard it here first. Fong. Uh, exclusive gave, info. Right? Exclusive like, what's the Patreon, <laughs> what's the Patreon for, for happy sober? No. That's like, that's, but it's because I don't want to encourage people go work behind the bar if you can't drink it. Right. No, I don't right. ever. Like, but it was, it was strategic for me because I know that I need to be people. Yeah. Then I got tired of people. <laughs> and then you were Cause over I, it. Because I would get off work at like midnight, 1, 1 a.m. And I would go to 
a coffee shop or I'd go shoot pool or I'd go read a book. And like, I'd, so I would do like my personal development after I dealt with all the people. Wow. And now polar opposite. Now you wake up at three, what? Three, five, three I'm work. I'm working on 345. I'm still oh hovering 415 and 4, 4am, 4 but I'm working oh on 345. Yeah. goals <laughs> you gotta keep you push, push it a little bit push it a little bit I'm really curious what would you what would you think your number one lesson from the shit show as you would say right of of just drinking the not drinking and just combining all of your 20s throughout the decade that you live like what's your what's your number one lesson or revelation that you've learned that you're going to actually take with you in your into your 30s my number one revelation from my 20s that I've learned. I think oh, it's so fun. I said to my mom, I'm like, Jay's gonna ask me the deep questions. I should do a lot of reflecting before this call. <laughs> but um, I think my number one revelation probably is just like my belief in my ability to do hard things that I didn't think I would be able to do. Like, I think that's really it. Like, even like in my earlier 20s, I left like a five-year relationship and that was a that was a defining moment in my 20s. It was a really, really hard time for me, um, you know, moving overseas um, and then the biggest one being getting sober. Um, that was something that I for sure for a long time as I got further into my drinking just like didn't, couldn't imagine I would be capable of. Like, I just could not imagine it. Um, and then I did it. So I think like there, there are several things in my twenties that I knew I needed to do, but they felt scary and they felt hard and they felt impossible. And then I did them and like got through to the, to the other side. So I think, I think that, I think just like a lot more trust in myself and in the fact that like, no matter how hard something feels or how terrible of a time I might be having like that, I can do the hard thing. I can get through it. Um, and that, yeah, that's something pretty great to take with me to my thirties, I guess. A hundred percent. Cause the way that you look at a challenge is going to be different. The way that you approach opportunities is going to be different. You know, one of the, one of the things that I've, I've learned in my twenties is that we don't seize or take opportunities. We actually tend to grow into opportunities and what that looks like for like me as in like doing the hard things. Now I've grown over who I was and now I can grow into new opportunities. So I love that. But let me ask you, um, what, what would you say to somebody who's just now going into their 20s? Oh, that's a fun question. And I, I want to hear it from you. And I need, I want to hear your revelation of your twenties too. So mental note, we're coming back to that. What would I say to someone entering into their twenties? I think, I think I would say like uh, something I'm so guilty of still in my life is imposing shoulds on myself. Mm. Like I should do this. I should feel this way. I should have accomplished this by now. I should have like done better at this. I should be somehow better than I am. And I think just like to, to let yourself off the freaking hook, <laughs> like, you know, like let yourself just be wherever you are. Even if that means like embracing being in a bit of a messy space. Like, I think that's kind of what your twenties are for. I, and I think that 30 is the new 20, like for our generation, I really think 30 is the new 20. And I think people need to like, stop placing any expectations on their twenties and just like, let it be a time of just like, like let yourself not know let yourself not have your shit figured out yet it's fine you have so much time like when I turned and this is kind of coming back to what you asked in the beginning of how has the climb to 30 been like when I even hit my mid-20s and I specifically when I turned 27 which is funny because I got started trying to get sober a month after I turned 27 but when I turned 27 that was the first time I really started thinking about my age and getting older and like, oh my God, I thought I would be here. I thought I would be doing this by now. I thought like whatever. 
Um, and I think I have lived the last few years of my twenties, not feeling like I'm in my twenties, but feeling like, oh, I'm about to be 30. Yeah. Like I, I just decided like once I hit like 27, I was like, yeah, I'm almost 30. And that was my age. And I'm like, kind of just wish I embraced that I was still in my twenties for the last few years. Cause it hasn't almost felt like it. And yet I still don't feel like I should be turning 30 kind of weird. Wow. What would you say to someone starting their 20s? Uh, What would I say to someone starting their 20s? Let go of the fear of losing something and the hope of something lasting forever. Just like be super present in every moment. Like, like, Like let go of that fear of like losing something that you've had growing up. Let go of that fear of somebody moving on without you let go of that fear of being alone like let go of that fear of losing something and let go of the hope of something lasting forever oh I like that yeah that's so that's very beautiful what what was your revelation of your 20s um my revelation of my 20s all right, we're about to get deep. We're, we're okay. going to get deep. Going get okay. deep. All right, we're going to get deep. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I expect no less with you. <laughs> I wasn't, I'm not even trying to be deep today. I guess we're going to be <laughs> deep today. Uh, man, um, life can only be understood backwards, but we're forced to experience it forward. I believe I've shared this with you before. Mm-hmm. And it's my it's one of my number one principles. I'm never going to understand the storm as I go into it. But as I come out of it and look back on it, and I'm like, oh, I can see why I went through that. Now mm. I can apply the lesson learned. And so with the trial and error, the pragmatic attitude I had in my, my 20s, right, from making bad decisions to making good decisions to making even better decisions, um, I don't really understand the trials and tribulations and the adversities that I've fa- that I've faced. But I can look back on it and, and, and really piece it together and, and pull a lesson out of it. Oh, I love that. So good. And such a really interesting and true way to put it. Do you feel where you are now when you imagined 30? Do you feel like you're where you imagined you would be? Not at all. No? Okay. How so? Yeah. One, uh, guys, I know, I know, I know. I was a salesman for nine and a half years. Mm-hmm. I and I thought that was it I I was like I'm good like I'm good I don't need if I didn't if I didn't move anywhere if I didn't do anything else I'm making good money I'm doing something I'm passionate about and that I'm good at and then one day in my late 20s and I think your late 20s is 28 to 29 I might give you 27 but I think your mid 20s are, are 24 to 27, then your early 20s are 20 to 23. But I would the, agree with that. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm going to say. I just, just had to put that out there for people wondering am I, am I in my mid 20s or my late 20s? Don't worry. Start thinking at 28. Start thinking at 28. That's what okay. But um, something clicked in my late 20s that I was like, yo, you're not growing here. And, mm. and, there's so much more to life. You're not growing where you're at and there's so much more to life. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of had like a a tap on my shoulder. It was like, what else do you want? And I had to start going forward towards that. And then that's when I started the podcast. That's when I started speaking, coaching, training. Don't touch my mindset podcast. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a listen. Give me a listen. But yeah, I, I didn't have this plan envisioned. It kind of just evolved. And I think something else I learned in my 20s is that the vision that you have for your life doesn't change. It just expands. Ooh, I like that. 100%. I've always been speaking. I've always been helping people. I've always been making content. You know, we like I've always been doing this since my broadcast journalism days in high school. And I lost myself with alcohol. Yes. with my job yeah and then I got back to myself now it, it it took me four years to get there but that was four years of being completely sober to get back to that 
to that version of me. And now I'm able to expand on that version of me. So that makes sense. Oh my God. I, that resonates so much with me feeling like you lost yourself with alcohol and then like found, found your way back to yourself when you got sober. I, I feel that so, so much. I think that I, I think I became so disconnected from myself towards the end of my drinking days for sure. For sure. And like, I was finding myself like doing things that like was completely out of character for me. Like, you know, like there's no part of my like brain that even thinks like that sober. And so I had to be like completely honest with myself. When I woke up in that jail cell, I was like, Jay, you've never been arrested sober. Like, mm. You've never had to deal with these repercussions of your decisions sober. Right. Like you, there's no decision you've made sober that you've had that's cost you money, time, emotional well-being. There's no decision that you've made sober that that's cost you that. That's such a good way to put it. And like, agreed, like I, obviously everybody like regrets things sometimes, but I I don't think I can think of a single sober thing that I'm like, I really, really, really regret that. Aside from maybe you get in an argument with someone, you say something you regret, like, you know, but the big ones, like I don't yeah. have any big regrets that came from a clear yeah. sober mind. Yeah. How, how do you feel like, it's different for you to like start a new decade of your life with like sobriety, like you're sober and now you're starting a decade. How do you think that like changes the game for you? I'm corny. I'm so corny. I am. Cause I like, I got, I, I instantly got excited about a 10 year plan. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I get to make a 10 year plan. And I like, love that. And then like, and then I get to reverse engineer that 10 year plan to like today, like, like I have so much more confidence and belief in myself and the things that I can do now that I'm sober and I'm not like drowning myself or like numbing myself. Now that I'm like, yo, I've experienced great things. I can do hard things. And so I'm like, yo, what do I want to do? And that's possible because I'm sober. So I'm like, yeah, let's create a 10 year plan. of Where does Jay want to be when he's 40 and give myself a grade card when I get there. Right. I did a grade like, card. It's just who I am, guys. You don't have to grade yourself. It's just who I am. Very on brand. Um, oh, I love that. And you had just like so much fun making your your new 10-year plan. Did you have a 10-year plan for when? Did you have, maybe not a 10-year plan because of the timing, but like, did you have things you wanted to have accomplished by the time you turned 30? Yes and no, but it came late. Okay. Right? Like, so I didn't have time to plan like by 30, I'm going to do this, but I had time to make a five-year plan. I had time to make a, a two-year plan, a one-year plan. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't ever feel like it's too late to recreate. I didn't ever feel like it was too late to recreate myself. Well, I like that. I like that a lot. Write that one down. you're you're just like (laughs) you're all over it today with the quotable things (laughs) never too late to recreate i love it that's such a good (laughs) ring you got me going off the top here digging deep being reflective about 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 our 20s so it's like yo if i think one i just had a son i just had a son i know i keep i was gonna ask how that how that kind of that changes everything right changes everything right talk about legacy successor like all, all that stuff right mm-hmm. so I had, I had a son in my 20s and I'm like let's um last year in my 20s it was like you gonna get serious now yes life I'll get serious now right? <laughs> and um and it was like okay what do I want to teach him and what do I want to leave behind right and so it, it prompted me to start start writing my first book I mean, and then as soon as I turned 30, I'm like, yo, what, what would I tell Kai when he's like leaving my house at 20 and going to go be a man in this world? It's, it's never too late to recreate. You don't have to go with the status quo. Don't make assumptions, right? Like all the things that I've learned, let's embody these principles and give you a manual of like, yo, nobody did this for me. So I want to do this for you and, and anybody else if it helps, right? So when we think about the things like I wish somebody would have told me that it's not too late to recreate. I would have recreated every single day. I needed to hear that in my, in my early twenties. 
That's so good. And I love that. And I think that's so true. And this is something that like I've thought about a lot, even in the past year of, I feel like you just almost like decide and accept like who you are at like a young age and even like what your likes and dislikes are. And like, I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. These are the things that I enjoy. And then it's like, as you get older, that's just kind of your story about yourself and you don't really kind of challenge it. And I think it's so fun to think of like, you can evolve your likes and dislikes can change. Maybe this thing you tried and hated when you were freaking 12 that you've never tried again. Like maybe you actually love it and you don't even know. Like I rambled about this before because I decided when I was like 23 that I hated cooking. And like I live alone, so it's rough out here. <laughs> you and the <laughs> stove are like time. fighting. No, you cook. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uber Eats or Frozen, whatever. We won't even get into it, but... Um, I, I like had this thought and I, I almost had this little revelation of like, what if I actually do like to cook and I didn't give it enough of a try, or maybe like if I tried it again, my mind would change kind of thing. And like, I did, I, I tried my first meal a few months ago and like, okay, it went okay. And I do want to keep trying. I have admittedly not since then, but like, I don't know. I just think that's a fun thing to ponder of like, what are the things that I decided and accepted about myself when I was younger that I haven't like challenged since even Uh about like your capabilities and like what you can do that like maybe someone criticized you about something when you were a kid and you never tried it again because you just believed you weren't good at it, but it's something you really love to do. Or like, I don't know, just like kind of pondering like like the recreating yourself of like, I don't have to stick to this identity I've taken on or these beliefs I've taken on about myself. That's so so true. And even with the work that I do with with leaders and leadership is that some some people um, are scared of being assertive because somebody was assertive with them when they were younger. And so mm-hmm. they told themselves that being assertive is bad. And so being assertive is negative when versus being assertive is clear and open communication. Right. And so when you're assertive, you just right. tell people what you mean and what you want. And, and you're, you're using clear and effective communication in, in certain degrees, but you can be assertive and considerate at the same time. But because somebody was assertive with me in the wrong way, now I now I tend to be like, oh, I don't like people who are assertive. Why not? They just may be a better mm. decision maker or a clear communicator more and tell you exactly how you feel. And so it's the stories that we tell ourselves and the meanings that we put to words. I had to do that for myself at the age of 20, 24. At the age of 24, I will, and this is why I came up with this is because at the age of 24, I had to re- reprogram and unlearn everything that I've ever learned about any word. And so I like, any meaning I put to a word, I always refer back to the definition now. Like any mm. any word it may be. Like look up the actual definition and be like, do I just have a negative connotation with this word? But it actually 100%. Is and so like, and, oh, and I so like I that. take away the emotional attachment I've put on words. Ooh, I like that. I, That's really cool. This, this is how I'm able to stay so positive. Rule uh, agreement number one, right? Be impeccable with your words. But if you don't know what your words mm-hmm. symbolize, it's hard to be impeccable with them. And so I tell myself, yo, if somebody tells me that, Jay, you're abrasive. Cool. What does abrasive mean? Like, what does it actually mean? Like, and I'll look up the definition. I don't know the definition of abrasive uh, off the top of my head, but I'm look it up, tell us what it means. But I would get to decide if I agree with that statement or if I disagree with that statement because of the definition of the word. Rather than like jumping to being offended because you think it's a negative word, like yeah. looking up oh, what it's actually abrasive meaning that um, I'm uh, impulsive and spontaneous. I'm like, you know what? I am a little abrasive. <laughs> like, abrasive. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong. Yeah, you know, I could see that. I could see that. Right. And, and being yeah. able to be like yeah. versus. Somebody, somebody being like, you're abrasive. And like, why do you think I'm so abrasive? Well, they may just be more of a calm person and they don't like abrasive mm. or abrupt people. I'm abrupt. I'm loud. I'm extroverted. That's who I am. And so that's, and that's what started that in my twenties <laughs> of saying that I can recreate how I feel about words. I can recreate 
what I think. And I had to un, like unlearn and reprogram my brain and the attachments that I have to work. Damn. I like that. And I just feel like even that is like a practice in like, if someone says something that might feel hurtful or make you jump to include like conclusions, that's just like almost a practice of like taking a beat before you like take it on to like having an emotional reaction. Like I feel like I kind of have a thin skin, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think if someone told me I was abrasive, I wouldn't, I would be upset. <laughs> and, and that's what I had to stop. I had to start, yo, cause I, I'm a feeler, you know, like, like when those people who like feel a lot and like takes Mm -hmm. on a lot of other people's pain and likes to, and then likes to be like a people pleaser. Well, that's like me. Like, like if you look up people pleaser, you'll see Jay's, Jay's face in the definition, like in the dictionary. And my face right beside you. That's that's, that's who I am. And I I know myself well enough that I've implemented processes that I hold myself to healthy boundaries to keep that version of me in line. But still when like somebody says something about me, whether that's abrasive, abrupt, loud, extroverted, or he's super social. Like I have to take whatever emotional attachment that they're putting on it, that I'm putting on it and look at what it actually means. And then I give myself power by deciding. And so I get to give my, yeah, I can agree with that. Or I disagree with that. And if I disagree with that, I'd say that's untrue just because of the definition of the word. Now, however you feel about that word, that's, that's completely different and up to you, but for me, it's untrue. And it allows me not to take things personally. Agreement number two. I like that. I really like that. And I, I will say too, and I think that's, that's, it's funny that we're on this topic because it's almost shifted to like sort of the not caring about other people's opinions. And I feel like that is something that I feel like in your twenties. <laughs> is harder. And I feel like, yeah, you care more in your twenties. And I feel like in your thirties, that's when you start to like, let, Mm. let go things. And I will say to my credit, I did just say I have thin skin, but being someone who shares on the internet has been a great practice at having a thicker skin. So (laughs) give myself credit. I let a lot of mean comments roll off of me online. So there's that, but yeah, I think that is something that I think I look forward to in my thirties. And I will say, I think that this started when I got sober of, um, kind of just becoming more confident, liking myself more, liking myself a lot more after I got sober. But I feel like that's something that in my head as someone who hasn't actually entered my thirties, I do feel like that's like something to look forward to in your thirties is I do think that you give less fucks and like about like what other people think and just kind of like owning, owning it a bit more like your own life and who you are a hundred percent and i think i like i think it's a progression so what i'm saying is guys if you're in the if you're in your 20s the earlier you start the less you're going to give a fuck by the time you're 30 but if you start if you start day one of being 30 to stop giving a fuck you got you got like two years of unlearning to do like no matter you know what i mean and so and let me tell you something with with you saying that because guys, wish her a happy birthday, August August twenty fourth. Uh, with with her saying that this episode <laughs> comes out before that. Uh, with with her saying that the last day, the last day of your twenties feels like the first day of your thirty. Interesting. Why do you say that? Elaborate. I'm curious. Let go of the fear of losing something and the hope of something lasting forever. So you're like you've accepted it. You're letting go of your twenties. You're like I'm already it, it thirty won't, tomorrow. It won't, like. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You're accepting it. You're like, I can't, there ain't nothing I can do about past time. I can't be 20 forever and I can't be scared of losing it. Mm -hmm. So what do I got today? Damn, that, that really just hit me in the feels like today I got my hair done and I was talking to the girl blow drying my hair and asked her how old she was. And she's like, Oh, I'm turning 25. And I almost had this Mm. like sad moment. Like, wow. I feel like I was just 25 and like, I'm about to be 30. Like, I don't know. I feel like when you're in your twenties, this sounds so cheesy, but it almost feels like you're going to be young forever. Like, like aging feels so freaking far off because, but then as you get older, time goes faster and faster and faster. Like the last few years of my twenties, I blinked and they were done. So like, yeah, that's, that's, that, that did kind of hit me in my, 
in my feels a little bit. I've never really been someone who struggles with getting older. Like, you know how some people on their birthday are like, fuck, like I'm a year, like I'm, I'm this age now. Like I'm not like whatever. Like I've always been pretty good at being like, cool, this is how old I am now. And like embracing it. And like the, like something I read a quote I read years ago that I've really latched onto is like the only alternative to getting older is dying young. Like think of turning 30 think of all the people who didn't make it to 30. Yeah. Right. Like it's a privilege. It is a freaking privilege to get to grow old. Cause not everybody gets that privilege. Um, so yeah, I've always been good about it, but 30 has been a, a weirder one to wrap my head around for sure. It feels like a big age to turn. That's true. That's extremely true because you're battling what other people are saying, oh, your life's over. You didn't do this. And then you compare yourself to what you should have done, what other people are doing in their 20s. Well, in reality, that yes. person in their 20s has a completely different situation than you have in your 20s, Jay. Uh, you can't compare yourself to mm-hmm. this person over here who grew up with both parents and lived a happy life and did very well in school and was able to go to college and not really need or want for anything. He didn't really face any adversity until maybe after college and started making some bad decisions versus my story or my situation of, Jay, you decided to be the party monster and party every night and do this and not do those things and not make good decisions at an early age. So their situation is completely different than mine. I can't compare that versus showing myself Mm. compassion. And you have to combat comparison with compassion, but you're really combating what Mm -hmm. other people are saying about your 30s. Let them talk about their 30s and then you make up what you want to make up for your 30s, you know? Oh, that's such a good way to say it. That's such a good way to say it. And I do think like you just use the keyword, which is comparison. And I think anytime we spin about out about like turning a new age, it's because of comparison of like whether you're comparing it to where you thought you'd be when you turn that age, whether you're comparing it to society's expectations of where you are, whether you're comparing it to what your friend's doing, who's the same age as you, like that's really where it comes from. And timelines are so made up. <laughs> like it's all it's so made up like it's only your own uh, time, time, is construct. time is a construct but and, yeah. and and that's the thing you will never be able to make your dreams become a reality if you compare yourself if you if you continue mm-hmm. to look out the window mm-hmm. and not look in the mirror looking out the window is just going to tell you what other people are doing looking in the mirror is going to tell you what you need to do to get yourself together right and so like it, it Once you stop comparing your dream and start empowering your dream, you'll be able to turn your dream into a reality, whatever it is you want to do. If you want to, if you want to go be a health coach, a sobriety coach, if you want to go start your own business, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want, you want to work less, you want to work more, you want to have kids, you want to get married, you want to pull the trigger, whatever it may like, like on marriage, like whatever, whatever it may be, whatever giant you're facing, you get to, you get to literally handle that the best way for your situation and not somebody else's situation with somebody like their situation is completely different than yours. That's the reason that I go so hard in, in developing myself and people are like, Jay, I don't want to talk about goals or I don't want to talk about the next 90 days. Well, that's, that's because your, your situation is different than mine. You may not have a son. You may not be wanting to build a legacy for, for your son. You may not want be wanting to, to, to lead people and be better. Like there's, there's different situations. So I always try to remind myself to empower myself versus compare myself. So I think that's a good word. I love that. That's so good. Oh my God. This has flown by. I feel like we could stay on this for hours. Um, I want to know what are you most excited for, for your thirties? Are we still being cheesy? Can I be cheesy? Be cheesy. If you're feeling cheesy, yes, embrace it. Lean into it. Wisdom. I'm really excited about getting wiser. I'm really, really excited about that. I like that answer. I really, I really like that answer because I think that our world's obsession with youth is stupid. Like our cultural obsession with wanting to be younger, look younger, all of that, like embrace your age. That's because that's exactly what it is. It makes the older you get, the wiser you get, the more life experience you get, the more interesting you are, the more like it's something I think to embrace and wear with pride. And like 
the wiser I get, the more I get to mentor others to make better decisions. And mm-hmm. that's what drives me and fuels me the most. That like, I know that older I'm getting, the, the more wise I'm getting, I get to mentor and give back to others. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Like, why, why not make the world, leave the world a little bit of a better place in where, where, when I came in? Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. This was so freaking good. It was Jay. a fun How conversation. Fun was this? I've, I've, I've had a lot of fun. Um, it, was. it was a blessing. It was a privilege. It was an honor. Thank you for inviting me on to have this conversation. Invite me back. Can I say that, guys? First returning guest. That is not mama. Yes. First returning guest. And I'm so happy it was you. And everyone, like, oh, my God, Jay. Jay and I have become <laughs> such good friends <laughs> since since we both went on each other's podcast for the first time. Yeah. So you have to come back because this was like this hour, like this flew you know, by. When and it was you got, so guys, good. tell her, tell her, tell her, DM her, let her know when what we're talking about next. Let her know what we're talking about next. Oh, that's a fun it. idea. I love that. And everyone go listen to Jay's podcast. Don't touch my mindset. Follow him on on Instagram at the Jay Chase. I'm going to link, I'm going to link your stuff in the description of this episode. Just remember, uh, have fun, have fun always, please. Like if you're not having fun in life, you're not in alignment. Like nothing, nothing in alignment or like healing or all like that should be fun. That is the perfect, perfect, perfect note to leave off on because that is exactly what it's all about. Life doesn't have to be so damn serious. It can just be for fun and it can just be following your freaking joy and having a good time. And like, yeah, I need that reminder often. It doesn't, it's it's not that serious. Nobody's making it out of here alive. (laughs) I always like that reminder. I I love it. Yo, yo, (laughs) like life is the biggest risk you'll ever take. So, so play to your full. Mm. Hey, I love it. Come on. So let's good. Go. Let's, get out of here. let's get out of here. Oh. We, we can do this for another hour unless you, unless so we're good. talking for another hour. Dude. We can, okay. We'll, cut, right. we'll cut it now. <laughs> right, thank thank you. you so much, Jay. This was amazing. And yeah, you'll be coming back. <laughs> thank you so much for listening this week. Be sure to give Jay a follow on Instagram and check out his podcast. I will link both in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, then feel free to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at happiestsober and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at happiestsober.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so I will chat with you next week. I hope you have an amazing week. Remember that life's happiest when you're sober. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.